Okay, good evening. This is uh, Chaim Bravinder, and we're going to learn a little bit about Parshat Vayeshev. This year is dedicated in memory of Dr. Ellen Lasser Levy, Zichrona Libracha, by Yoel Dror. Um, the parish is called Vayeshev. Vayeshev is kind of a critical parasha. It's the parasha that switches its concern for individuals to the nation of Israel, which, you know, thinking about it is quite a remarkable, a remarkable act. In other words, the beginning of the book of Breshit is about Abraham an individual who discovered something about God that nobody knew, Yitzchak, who achieved a level of, of significant sanctity, whose connection to the divine will was perfect. And that's why he's called Olat Mima. That's why he's called Olat Mima the perfect sacrifice. And then came along Yaakov, and the story of Yaakov seems to be divided into two. There's the story of Yaakov becoming whatever it was that he was supposed to become, Yaakov. And then there's another story of Yaakov. And that other story of Yaakov is the story of Yaakov, the father of Am Yisrael. And the Am that existed at that time, which was made up of his children. But he's the first one who has a pack of children. Some doing well, some doing poorly. But they are progeny. He's not standing before God praying to have a child. He hasn't given up on the idea of having a child. So up until the parish of Vayeshev, until the parish of Vayeshev, we're talking about Yaakov equals Yitzchak equals Abraham. That, that means that they have one feature, one personality feature which is so overwhelming that the Torah has to tell us about it. With Abraham, it's his faith, emunah, and, and how he understands God. Abraham, how he understands God, that was something, his understanding was something new, something that didn't exist before. Yitzchak, as we said, was an olat mima, the perfect sacrifice, the one who accepted the divine demands perfectly, no questions, no doubts. Even as Rashi tells it, Abraham had certain doubts. How could he sacrifice his son and yet have his son be the progeny that is promised? But Yitzchak had no such question. So if we look at, if we look at the first parashiyot, let's say Yaakov, so who was Yaakov? Yaakov was fighting for an identity. He was, he has, was forced to steal 
the birthright. He was forced to lie. He was forced to run. He was forced to live in a kind of bondage in the house of Lava. He was like looking for himself. He was the typical, if I could say it, you know, I don't mean it, but you know, he was like the typical teenager who has to experience things in order to realize that maybe they're really not worth, worth experiencing. So the first pasuk in the parasha leads us into this confusion. Vayeshev Yaakov ve'eretz migurei aviv ve'eretz kenan. Vayeshev Yaakov. What does that mean? Why do we have to tell us that he that he sat, that he settled, that he was in? Eretz Migurea Eretz Kanan. I mean, that's you know a pretty long haul to get Yaakov to this place. To this place, Rashi says, "Achar shekatav mechayishuvei Esav." After the Torah had previously told us about Esav, who he married, who his children were, v'toldotav the children of Esav v'derek tzarav. In a kind of a, 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 a noted way, right? And so and so had a son, his name was such and such, and he had a son, his name was such and such. That's kind of like, you know, the, the laundry list or the, uh, the Shabbos list to buy things in the store. He says, Shaloha Yusfu name, Lo Yusfu name, Vechashuvim. They were not uh, hidden. Sudim means hidden away, actually. It's something that you could uncover. They were not they were of no importance. That's Esav who defeated the Chori. That was the name of uh, one of the other nations in Canaan. After the Torah briefly tells you about Asab, about his battles, about his victories, about his family. After all of that, it starts telling you the story of Yaakov and his the generations Toldotav. As though there's nothing else for the Torah to tell us. They like, don't tell us about Yaakov and Yosef and Mitzrayim and going down and up and down and up. So besides the information, besides the according to Rashi, besides the information that we're going to get about Yaakov and his family and all the things that happened that we all know about, we all know about. But not only is the information important, but the comparison, Rashi says, between the way they tell the Torah tells the story of Esau and the way they tell the Torah tells the story of Yaakov. Make no mistake about it, the Torah says. The story that we're about to tell you about, the story that we're about to tell you about Yaakov, about Yosef, about the brothers, that's really important. That's really important. 
And we know that the Torah doesn't waste words and does not make idle comments, but we see that the Torah is stressing how we've come to a very special stage in the history of Yaakov and a very <laughs> special level of understanding it's not like he was retiring according to Rashi he was just beginning the story of Yaakov begins here Perik Lamed Zayin Pasuk Aleph. That's the beginning of the Pasuk of the of the story of Yaakov. And up to now, all the things we've learned about Yaakov and all the stories that we were told of Yaakov, that was just Yaakov becoming Yaakov. And what in fact has he become? What in fact has he become? So we see. Perik Perik Lamed Hey Pasuk Tet. Right. Previous, the previous prayer had taught us Yaakov, a God spoke to Yaakov when he came from Padan Aram, from the house of Lavan, and he gave him a blessing, a, a different blessing, not the blessing of Abraham, not the blessing of Yitzchak, and not even the blessing of Yaakov. A different blessing. It's a blessing about your name. You're not going to be called Yaakov, right? But your name from now on is Yisrael. And he called him, he, Hashem, called Yaakov, Yisrael, right? And Rashi explains the meaning of those two words. He says, Lo Yikra, you see Rashi, Pasuk Yud? The Rashi, here it is, just a second, let me highlight it. Lo Yikra, Shimcha, Yaakov, Lishon Adam, Abba, Bima'arav, Vakava, in a hidden way, not hidden, not a cave, not in, hidden by something else. The ma'arav is like uh, lying and waiting for somebody. Ella, but now you're going to be called by a name which means Sar Vinagid, an officer, a leader. A person who is in charge. Right? That's what it says. That's what it says. Now, if we go back to our our Pasuk at the beginning, it says, So if we reinterpret that Pasuk, according to Rashi, we reinterpret the Pasuk, it turns out that it says, And Yaakov, who was the hidden person, who was the person connected to reality, who had dealt with every kind of oppressive state that you could imagine. Vayeshev Yaakov, he thought he would get over it. Veretz Begurei Aviv. Veretz Kenan. He was Yaakov. Came to settle the land. Came to live a quiet life. 
came to do what he always wanted to do. And the next pasuk says, Eile toldot Yaakov Yosef. Okay. Toldot Yaakov are introduced to us by Yosef. You would think that the oldest son, Reuven, would be noted. But no, okay, Yosef, we have a different story. We have a story of Yosef, which leads to the story of Mitzrayim, which leads to the story of Yaakov going to Mitzrayim, etc. Ayaro e'et echav batzon v'hunar et b'nei bilhav et b'nei zilpa nar aviv. He was talking about Yosef. Yosef was a nara. He was acting like a young man. He did things that you shouldn't have done, perhaps in the beginning. And Yosef brought some lashon hara about his brothers to his father. Not a nice thing to do. And then Pasuk Gimel tells us, Yisrael, Ahavet Yosef, Mikol Banav. Ben Zikunim, who? Yosef, Yisrael, loved Yosef more than any of his other sons. Ben Zikunim, who? He was born when he was older, when Yaakov was older. Vasalo Kitonet Pasim, so he made him a coat of many colors. So let's read, read these psukim with Rashi. Vayeshev Yaakov. Yaakov had to hide sometimes. Yaakov had to sneak around. Yaakov finally got his way back into, into the land. <laughs> he was back to where he belonged, or he thought he belonged. He was getting the reality, the reality of land in Eretz Kenan for him. The Israel. Ahavet Yosef called by Navi Yisrael, the person who saw beyond the simple reality, the one who saw beyond what was just going on, the love and the hate amongst the brothers. That's Yisrael. Ahavet Yosef called by Navi Yisrael. Ahavet at Yosef, not Yaakov. Yaakov knew that when it came to getting stuff. Uh, Yosef was limited and the other brothers were limited. They all had their problems. But Yisrael, when he looked upon himself as a spiritual being, as somebody who is tied to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Ahabed Yosef, he knew that Yosef was the unique son and the very special brother Right, ki ben zikunim, who zikunim is the word zakein. And zakein has also the connotation of wisdom. And Unculus kind of hints at that. If you have a chance, you can take a look. Ben zikunim, who lo. Vasalo ketonet pasim. And he made for him ketonet, uh, ketonet pasim. Okay, so we haven't explained every piece of that puzzle, but we've explained some of it. Yisrael, that special name. Ahavet Yosef Mikolbanav. 
Ki ben zikunim hulo. The only thing we haven't explained, or the only thing, not the only thing, but one of the things that we have not explained, is why is it that the name change, which was done by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, doesn't produce a name change? It's Yaakov became Yisrael. Yes, Yaakov became Yisrael, but he never loses the name Yaakov. It's always there. He always takes it around with him, and he never loses that name. Yaakov is Israel, and Israel is Yaakov. And it's not every case that we could explain, as we tried to explain here, that Vayeshev Yaakov has to do with the Yaakov who grabs onto things, the Yaakov who hides out, the Yaakov who has to deal with adversity. Whereas Yisrael, that's like the the person who's connected to a Kodesh Baruch Hu, who's able to love unconditionally Yisrael Ahabat Yosef, we call Banav, he ben zikunim He knew that Yosef had a special relationship to knowledge about God, to learning the Torah, for example. Ki ben zikunim hulo, basalo ketonet pasim, asalo, he made for him a ketonet pasim. You read Rashi, you see again that Knodet Pasim has something to do with Ava, with love. And love is the word that we use to describe the most intimate relationship that you could have with God. So that's what it says in the in the in the pasuk. There was a Yaakov in the world now who came back to Eretz Canaan. But there was also a Yisrael in the in the world, and that Yisrael was the one who inherited that aspect of humanity. That was Yosef, Yisrael Ahavet Yosef. It was Yisrael who did it. And so we're left with the question: If Avraham, Avram becomes Avraham. And from the time that he becomes Abraham, there's no change in his name. Why wasn't the same principle done with Yaakov? Yaakov had a new name, Israel. That should be his name. Otherwise, why would God call him Israel? <clears throat> you know, in these parashiyot, the coming parashiyot as well, we're going to learn about Yosef and little and more about Yehuda. And somehow Yehuda is going to is going to accept upon himself the mantle of leadership. And he's going to be accepted by Yaakov and his brothers as the reasonable leader, the one who will do things that have to be done will take stands that have to be taken, will be able to stand up to Yosef, the vizier in Egypt, 
nobody knew it. Nobody knew that who, who he really was and what he, his power was. But Yehuda would stand up to him. And as a result, Yehuda would get the, the primacy. And the kingship of Israel eventually would become the property of Yehuda. And yet, I have to say that in this parasha, the parasha of Ayeshev, there is a story that's told about Yehuda, which makes us wonder, which makes us wonder about his capacity, his, why he would be the right choice to be the king of Israel. <coughs> Just one second. So the the text that you have starts from Ted Zion, Berglamid Chet Pasuk Ted Zion. I want to give you a summary of the first psukim of that of that uh, chapter. And those psukim tell us a story about Yehuda. He went down, he went someplace. I mean, the, these stories in the in the Torah have to be analyzed carefully. But uh, we want to just remind ourselves of things that we know. And Yehuda saw a woman, and he lived with her. He's had a sexual encounter, and she had a son. And his, the son's name was Er. He had a second pregnancy, and the son's name was Onan. Finally, she had a son who was named Shela. Three sons, Er, Onan, Shela. After that, Yehuda, Yehuda, found a woman to be a wife for heir, the, his, his oldest son, and her name was Tamar. Tamar, which was, uh, became a pretty popular Jewish name. And heir did something wrong, and he died. So, you know that there is this halacha that if a woman has a uh, married woman dies and doesn't have a child, so the brother, her, I mean the brother dies, the husband of this woman dies, and he doesn't, you know, they don't have a child, but he has a brother, so the brother should marry the wife, and the children will somehow be as connected to the dead person. So Yehuda said to Onan, right, the second brother, the second husband, marry your brother's wife, and then, you know, that's the right thing to do. However, Onan 
realizing that the child that's born wouldn't be kind of wouldn't be his. And he spilled his seed so that she should not get pregnant. And this did not find favor in God's eyes because he was going against the mitzvah in the Torah. Well, there's no Torah yet, but uh, you could have a mitzvah when there's no Torah. Yehuda said to Tamar, until, and wait for Shela, the third son, and he'll, he'll do the job. So, you know, something happened and Yehuda was uh, coming up to the area where Tamar lived. Which Tamar obviously didn't want to wait. I mean, she felt it was oppressive that she would have to wait until the youngest brother grew up and was able to uh, be the Yavam. And so she took off the clothing that indicated that she was a widow. Covered herself up with a veil. She sat on the road where generally the uh, prostitutes would sit. And so we're, we're up to Pasuk Tedvav. Tedvav, right here, it's on the sheet. No. Uh, one more pasuk, I'm sorry. Pasuk Tetvav says, Pasuk Tetvav says, Vayir'el Yehuda, Yehuda saw her sitting there, Vayach Shabel Zodan, he thought she was a regular prostitute, nothing to do with him. Kiki Stapada, he couldn't see, couldn't see her. Then again, Pasuk Tedvav. Pasuk Ted Zion. Vayet Eleha El Haderach. He kind of turned to her. Let's have, let me have sex with you. Kilo Yadaki Kalato. He didn't know that she was his daughter in law. And so she said to him, well, what are you going to give me for this pleasure that you're going to have? He said, I'll send you some sheep, you know, like post office delivery, special delivery. You have to give me some surety, something to guarantee that I'm going to get the cheapest promise. You have to, I mean, I know you don't have anything with you. You don't have pockets, but uh, gotta get something. By Yomer, and he said, Yehuda Ma'ir Avon Asher Etein Lach. 
ותאמר חותמך בסדילך ומתך אשר בידיך ויתן לה ויבוא אליה ותאר לו. So he says, give me your signet ring, give me your staff, you know, the things that you have that people recognize are certainly yours. And uh, so they had relations and she became pregnant. And so she went to wherever she went and she took off those the clothing she was wearing as a prostitute and she became a widow. She she dressed like a widow. His friend took the promised sheep and she, uh, but she was not to be found. And he asked around, you know, he asked around. Who's this, where's this prostitute that was sitting here that was like her spot? And they told him that there was, there was no such person. They would know if there was such a person. I couldn't find her, he said to Yehuda. The people there told me that there was no such such person. Go and get my stuff. We're going to be embarrassed. So all of a sudden, Tamar was pregnant. I mean, and showing, as they said, pregnant and showing. She became pregnant. But bring her out, bring her, let's get her out here, show her to everybody, and and then we'll we'll punish her with the punishment of straight burning. They took her out, and he she sent the stuff to her father-in-law and said. So the man, the man who owns all of these things that I have, that she gave me as a mashkon, as a surety. And so Yehuda, recognized all of the things that she had, that he had given her. He, Yehuda, you can imagine the tense moment, he, Yehuda, saying, let's punish her, we'll punish her by death, 
because we don't do things that way. We'll kill her. We'll kill her with shreifa. With we'll burn her. Same time at the very time she's saying, "It's you, Yehuda. You're the one who did this. You're the one who made me pregnant. You, Yehuda." And so Yehuda responds unexpectedly by Yomer, "Sadkami many. She is more righteous than I." And let's look at the Rashi. Right? Look at Rashi. See Pasukavab in the Rashi. Rashi said, Sadka Bidvareha. She was righteous in what she said. Righteous. Righteous in what she said. That's interesting. But look at this Rashi. Me many. Sadka me many. You have to get it. He me uberet. He me uberet. She is. Pregnant, me many. They're two different statements. Sadka, she is righteous, and she is me many. She is pregnant because I impregnated her. He may be many, he may uberet. Rabotenu zau, darshu sheyats abad kolv amra. Mimeni umeiti yatsu hadvarim. Chazal say in Rashi quotes that yatsa batkol. Batkol, for our purposes here, could be considered like a prophecy. He's like a prophet showed up. Va'amru mimeni umeiti. This is what Yehuda said. Yatsu hadvarim. I was the one who was guilty. Lefi. She was always modest when she was in the house of her father-in-law. That kings will eventually come out of her. So, okay. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, 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 they were not, no one was guilty, but a little bit they're guilty. After all, Tamar wanted to act against the rules. She couldn't get her brother-in-law to impregnate her. He would have to wait for the child to grow up. Okay. I don't know how we evaluate what she did, but if she acted like a prostitute, she seduced Yehuda. I mean, I don't see anything in my world. Doesn't seem that kind of positive. Yehuda, Yehuda said me many, said me many. That's, that's Yehuda's contribution here. I did it. I did it. Of course, we could read the story a little bit differently based on this word, me, many. We could, I think. 
So Tamar, she wanted to be part of that world, the world of Yehuda, the son of Yaakov, the world of Yaakov and his children who are going to become the great nation in the world that she saw an opportunity. And she married Er, the first son of Yehuda. And when the second son refused to do what he should have done, and the third son was just a child, she thought that she would be able to reinstate herself somehow by doing what she did. And when confronted with the truth, Yehuda said me many. He didn't even, he didn't argue. He didn't say, well, I didn't know. He didn't say, how was I supposed to know you were, you were hidden under the veil of prostitution? How was I supposed to know who you were and what you were doing? And then Rashi says, and because of all this great, all this honesty and all this positivity, kings were going to come from this union. Kings meaning King David. David HaMelech. It seems to me that we, we might be able to say the following. Might be able to say the following. We go back to that pasuk. The blessing of HaKadosh Baruch by the way, if you've never seen this picture, I mean, it's not such a good... Uh, Rembrandt's rendition of you than Tamar, which uh, like very instructive for uh, Dutch clothing of a certain period, right? And of course the light, uh, you know, Rembrandt's light, supposedly Rav Kuk was overwhelmed by, by Rav Kuk's uh, light when he saw it in the museum in England. He gave him a special bracha, a bracha that only he received. Which means, as we understand, you're not going to be exclusively called Yaakov anymore. Right? Im, ki, im Yisrael Yeshumecha. And that's your, who you are, Yaakov. You are sometimes Yaakov and sometimes Yisrael. And because of that, because sometimes you're Yaakov and sometimes Yisrael, the way this looks to us is you, you sometimes do the wrong thing but you have the capacity to, to make right out of wrong. In order for the nation of Israel to exist, Yaakov, this wasn't true about Yaakov number one. This wasn't true about the Yaakov of the last two parshiot, the Yaakov who stole the birthright, the Yaakov who lied about who he was, the Yaakov who ran away to Aram Narayim. It's not that Yaakov. It's a different Yaakov. It's the Yaakov who is able to look himself in the eye and say, 
I have not yet done what had to be done. I have not yet produced the nation that has to be produced. That's going to be done between Yosef, his brothers, and Yaakov. But also, at that time, there has to be Israel. And if you ask me, if you ask me, how was it that Yehuda, I mean, what did he do to deserve? After all, he was the fourth born son, Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda. Yehuda was the first fourth son of Leah. Not such a terrific position. Leah called her, called him Yehuda because it was connected to the word Odeh. I will give thanks. Odeh Hashem. Leah said, my husband, Yaakov, he has four wives. He's going to have 12 sons. That means each wife should have three. And she had four. She, Leah, had four sons, and the fourth son was Yehuda. And Yehuda was the son that she gave thanks to Kodesh Baruch for. So if you throw that into the mix and you say to yourself, who is the inheritor of the Yaakov ace of difficulty, of the fact that Yaakov was kind of a split personality? Sometimes he was very much in the earth of things like in the the basis of of existence, but sometimes he was absolutely exalted. You remember that when Yaakov left Eretz Yisrael to go to Lavan, to the house of Lavan, he had the most remarkable vision, most remarkable vision, so that he was leaving the country. He was a kind of an ever Yisrael personality. And when he crossed over to the other side, when he left Eretz Israel, he became Yaakov again. Yaakov was Yaakov. The angels left him. There were new angels, but the old angels, the ones who cared for him in Eretz Canaan, they were gone. So Yaakov, when HaKadosh Baruch said, your name is going to be Israel, I mean, it was obvious, it was true, it was there. It's just that HaKadosh Baruch Hu formalized it. He gave it the name, but, but Yaakov had the name already. He was that way. He was sometimes Yaakov and sometimes Israel. And if I had to look around and ask, who inherited? Who inherited from Yaakov Israel that feature of being able to deal with reality in a kind of basic way and in an exalted spiritual way, it seems that that was Yehuda. seems that you, that was Yehuda. Yehuda was a person who, who was interested and thought about the reality of his family, the children that he wanted to have, the daughter-in-law that he wanted to protect, but when he realized, when he realized that this whole story reflects a kind of basic relationship with the future, that it's all being 
done on his behalf by a Kurdish Baruch that it's all being done by by a Kurdish Baruch when he realized when he realized that me <laughs> many it's from me it's the depths of me it's the ultimate me so you can see that in some way in spite of the fact that he was the fourth that was born to his mother and the fourth son of Yaakov, he in some way inherited this idea that came into the world through Yaakov, that you could be a person, a regular person in this world, and you could also be an exalted person from time to time. And that became, if you learn some of the Sifrei Machshava, the books, uh, the philosophical books that uh, Jews have written over the age, over the ages. If you read some of those books, you'll understand that this is a basic idea that even though we're not that way all the time, we can be that way some of the time, and that may actually be sufficient. And so Yehuda became the inheritor, the one who would start the Torah, the, the family of Yaakov, and the one who would ultimately take the reins of kingship into his own hands. Have a good Shabbos.